messages, not the whole service, but the messages we've begun streaming online uh, for those that, that uh, I can't make it. So those of you that are watching right now, we are thankful that you tuned in to watch with us. And we pray that today's message uh, will, will bless you, will help you to find freedom. Amen? Amen. You got your Bibles? Take your Bibles and open with them. Open them to the book of John, beginning at the verse 14. Last week, we began a series called Victorious Life. The Lord had instructed me to preach, begin to preach a series of messages that even though challenging, even though they are challenging, they are messages that will help you to find freedom. How many of you have ever messed up? Anybody ever messed up? You've done something that you, like you're like, you know what, oh, I regret it. I can't believe I did that. How many of you, when you've messed up, have you, have you ever kicked yourself, right? You look back and you go, I can't believe I did that. I knew better. I shouldn't have done that. Yes? And when you mess up, did you know that there is someone there to pick you up? His name is Jesus. He's there to lift you up and to pick you up. And so there's these messages the Lord had given me, a, a, a series of messages to, to preach, to help you find victory. And if I can be transparent with you, these messages are not just messages that I'm preaching to you, but I'm preaching to myself. These are messages that God has spoken to me about, things that God has helped me to discover my identity and to discover that I uh, what I'm dealing with. Because I know if I'm dealing with it, I know you are too. And so God wants you to find victory. And he wants you to live in victory. He wants you to walk in victory. He doesn't want you to stay stuck. Because when you're stuck, you don't go nowhere. Amen? Are you with me? Look at John chapter 14, beginning at verse 15. <laughs> Watch what he says. He says, if you love me, then keep my commandments. How many love the Lord? Let me see your hands. How many love the Lord? Then keep his commandments, right? He goes, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. And watch what he says. I want to emphasize, focus on these words right here. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that this word will be a revelation to those who hear it and receive it, that they may find victory. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would anoint my voice, strengthen my voice, keep me from coughing, that I may deliver your word effectively, O oh God. In your name I pray, amen. The title of my message today is Victory Over an Orphan Heart. Victory Over an Orphan Heart. I know a lot of times we, we never realize that we are Dealing, what we are dealing with. I think that sometimes we never realize that we are, wh why we do the things that we do. I think there's times where we make mistakes. We take on attitudes and behaviors. Part of this message is not only psychological, but it's also biblical. And although this condition called the, the orphan heart is not necessarily the term orphan's heart or orphan spirit is not, is not found in the Bible, but the symptoms are there. There's a lot of people in the church today that are dealing with this and their attitudes and their behaviors are exemplified in the way that they respond to God. The way you respond to God determines how you view God based on your relationship with your father or with your parents. Believe it or not. 
And although this condition of the heart is not directly addressed, it is helping, it is happening in the churches today. And many people who come to church each week, they, they struggle with the feelings of rejection. Have you ever felt rejected? No, just me? How many have ever felt rejected? Let me see your hand all over this place. Yes? How many of you have ever felt alone? Let me see your hand. Come on, let's take a poll, right? You felt alone. How many felt lonely, right? What happens when you feel lonely? You start relying on yourself. You know what? Nobody wants to be around me. I'll do it myself, right? Have you ever been jealous of other people's successes? You look at somebody that's, that's doing something you, will, you want to do and you look at them and you wish it was you. You ever been maybe jealous or envious of somebody else's relationship, even though it's on Facebook and not really real? Look how happy we are. Have you ever been, how many of you ever deal with abandonment issues, right? Your husband goes to the store for two minutes and you feel like he's not coming back? Or your wife? You feel alone, you feel abandoned. You don't understand that those are symptoms of an orphan heart? Those are symptoms of people in the church today. And as a result, what we do is we fall, as a result, people fall in and out of their personal walk with God. I've been praying over, I said, God, I want to know what your people are experiencing in the church. I want to understand the heart of what your people are dealing with so that I can speak directly to that. Give me the, don't just give me the words, but give me the eyes to see. And this is what the Lord showed me, is that there's a lot of people in the church that deal with abandonment issues. They've, had a, they've been rejected by their father or their mother. And as a result, when they come to church, they view God from the perspective of if, if my own parents abandoned and rejected me, what's to keep God from abandoning and rejecting me? My mom and dad thought I was no good. They always, they always put me down. They always called me nothing. They always put, said I was going to be nothing. They called me dumb. They called me stupid. How am I supposed to look at God that way? So a lot of people come to church, and, they, and as, they stand, as they stand in church, they, can't, they have trouble singing things like, he's a good father. Because in their mind, God's, God's a good God, but he's not a good father. Because he, if, if he's anything like my father. And we deal with abandonment issues, rejection issues. And, and, and the Bible says in, in, in John chapter 3, verse 1, he says, see how, see how much our father loves us. That he calls us his children. Let me just ask this question. Pause that for a minute right there. Keep that on the screen. Who in here was raised by a stepfather? Let me see your hand. Okay? You were raised by a stepfather. You were raised by someone who wasn't your real dad. And you see, that stepdad stepped in and maybe, hopefully he wasn't abusive. Hopefully he wasn't, uh, you know, <coughs> terrible. Hopefully he stepped into a place and showed you what it was like to be loved and accepted. And God is saying, see how much the Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that's what we are. We are the children of God. And it says, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. They look at us and they say, they say, you aren't the child of God. We know we're the children of God because the spirit of God that is in us bears witness with our spirit that I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of the king of kings. And I, I, and I, I want you to understand that God's desire is that we live as and operate as sons of God and daughters of God. But right now, we don't do that. In fact, when we pray, we pray like slaves. We beg God for access to what we already have. We, we petition God and plead with God and ask God and beg God, please, God, God, please, 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 oh God, please, I, I want to encourage you to know that you are a son or da and daughter of God and that you have authority to pray like a son or daughter. If I go to your house to visit, I'm a guest. And if I'm a guest and I get thirsty, I'm going to ask you kindly 
do you think I could have a, get a, a glass of water, please? But a son or daughter, they know where the access is and they go to the fridge and they get it. And the Bible says in John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, but as many as received him, to them he gave them the right to become the children of God. If you have received God, if you have received him, believed in your heart, and you have confessed that Jesus is Lord, you are a child of God. And he goes on to say, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. If you are born of God, you are a child of God. And God's desire is for you to live as one. You understand that you have been adopted into the family of God. You have been adopted into the, we have been adopted into the family of God. Understand that, that we are not, unless you are full-blooded Jewish or you have, you are a Jewish lineage, we are considered Gentiles. But those who believe, we become adopted into the family of Abraham, the father of faith. Hello? Can I teach you for a minute? And so adoption, adoption is the deliberate action a family takes by which to give a person all the rights and privileges of any other family member. Several years ago, my wife and I, we, we took in and fostered, fostered a young lady from this church. When she came to live with us, she was, only two, she was only 14 years old. She was sing with us on the praise team. She had, gone, she had gone and spent Christmas with us. And she became very much like a daughter to us. And when her, fa- her father passed away, we took her in and became her foster parents. And early on in, her, in our, our relationship with her, I could see in her and, and, and see something in her. And I told her, listen... You are afraid that we're going to reject you. You're afraid we're going to kick you out. But I'm going to tell you, you'll reject us before we ever reject you. So early on when she was living with us, one of the times we were like, we were, things, uh, food was coming up missing in the pantry. And we know that we had just bought some and we're trying to figure out what was going on. So when she went to school, my wife went and found, she had been stashing food in her drawers and because she was afraid she wasn't going to get fed. So when she got home, I said, look, I'm not, I want to ask you something. I'm not, you're not in trouble, but I want to take you somewhere. So I, I took her to the pantry, and I said, who does this food belong to? And here's what she said to you guys. And I said, no, it doesn't. It belongs to all of us. Because you're a part of our family now. So everything that... Jasmine and Jaden have access to, and Chloe has access to, you have access to because you are now my daughter. And because she couldn't, she, she lived like that for a period of time, but because she couldn't receive or conceive that idea, eventually she, she decided when she was old enough, she left our home. And there's a lot of people in church that do exactly that same thing. We'll come to church for a season and we'll experience the blessings of God and we'll be grateful and we're like, oh, God is so good, God is so good. But we still cannot receive the love of God that he has given to us because of that orphan heart that we have. And a person with an orphan heart often heart fears being rejected so that, so instead, in essence, what they do is they isolate themselves from others rather than accepting the love that their family and the Father have to give them. If you are visiting today, understand, we are a family at Equip Church. Maybe that's the reason why. Sometimes people don't like to, not that they don't like to come, but it's that they, they struggle with being consistent. Because they can't, they can't understand and receive the love that they get from the family members here at Equip Church. See, I'm not the father. I'm, the, I'm a representative of the father. So if people call me Pastor Mo. Sometimes they call me Papa. I represent the heavenly father. 
And my, my job as, the, have, as, as the, the pastor is to exemplify to you what the love of the Father looks like and what love and acceptance looks like. And when you have an orphan heart, you have trouble accepting that because you fear that we are going to kick you out of the church if we knew the things that you did in your past. Or if you knew that, if we know the things that you have done in your more, more recent past, maybe just last week, if they know, they're not going to ask me to come back. You know what? The church of God is for people who have made mistakes. If you have to get perfect before you come to church, you've got the wrong idea. Because God... God loves you. He loves you. He loves you, and watch this. He accepts you as you are. But he doesn't accept, he will not allow you to stay as you are. You can come broken. You can come hurting. You can come sinful. You can come rejected. You can come lonely. And he will love you. He will embrace you. We will love you. We will embrace you. But God will not allow you to stay where you are. Not stuck where you are. And when you're a child of God, when you embrace the rights and privileges, when you understand the rights and privileges you have as a son or daughter of God, something changes in, in you and a metamorphosis begins to take place, a transformation. When you begin to embrace the idea that I am a child of God, just read uh, Ephesians, chapter, the first chapter of Ephesians. Write that down somewhere so you can read it later. But in Ephesians chapter 1, it tells how we are adopted into the family of God, that he predestined us. In other words, God chose you before he ever created you. He chose you to be a part of the family of God. He loved you that much. He didn't randomly, like a lottery, throw, uh, throw a, a, a stir around and mix it around and stick his hand in there and let me see who's going to get saved today. No, God knew exactly what he was doing and he chose you before you were ever formed to be a part of his family. And when you embrace the love of God, when you embrace the idea that you're a child of God, you will begin to t- change your life. And I thought to myself, as I was studying this, there have been times in my life where I didn't embrace the grace of God. I didn't embrace my identity as a child, a son of God. And for that reason, there was times that I would not walk in my authority, not only as a pastor, but even as a son of God. When you're a son of God, you know. When you're a child of God, you know the authority that you have. You're not afraid of the devil. You won't lower your standards to embrace the things of the world because you are a son or daughter of God. And, and you've been given, listen, you have been given, not only are you a son or daughter of God, but you have been given the spirit of adoption. Say that with me. The spirit of adoption. See, there are things that God gives us. He's not giving you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. He has not given you He's not giving you an orphan spirit. He is giving you a spirit of adoption. Watch this, Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Can I, can I teach you for a little bit? Romans chapter 8, verse 15, watch what he says. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. That's what orphan heart does. When you have an orphan heart, you, you, you become a, a slave to rejection, a slave to loneliness, a slave to abandonment, a slave to that mentality that you're going to be rejected by God. But he goes on to say, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That's the spirit of intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. Nowhere in any other religion Can you have a relationship with the creator of the universe? We have a relationship with God. And it's not just a, it's not a religion. It's not something that we do once once a week, all week long. And then the rest of the week, we got to see. And that's the mentality. We come to church and we got to play the part of a Christian. Stop thinking like that. Matter of fact, stop thinking I'm a Christian. (gasps) Pastor's preaching. 
Stop thinking I'm a Christian. A Christian is when you are a Christian, when you start walking as a son or daughter of God so much that you reflect the image of Jesus Christ, then people look at you and they called you a Christian. We've used Christianity, the term Christian, so much now that, we, that, that it's become a religious term. Even Muslims and Buddhists and, 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 and even the terrorists think they're Christians. It's become so loosely used. Do you know in the, Old Test, in the New Testament that they, they didn't go around calling themselves Christians? You know what they call themselves? They call themselves followers of the way. But you are a son and daughter of God. You are a son and daughter of God. He's given you that spirit of intimacy. And the Bible says this, that the spirit himself, the spirit, the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. If you are doubting in your mind that you're a child of God, just ask the Holy Spirit. He will bring you peace. Am I, am I really a son of God? All of a sudden, God overwhelms you with love and you go, oh, I am. Praise God. And if children, watch this, if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, with Christ, and if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Now listen, an orphan spirit is one that leads you to slavery and fear. You become a slave to fear. Fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. Fear of loneliness, you know, fear of being alone, fear of, 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 of not necessarily like fears like phobias, like heights, but things that lead you into, into bondage, that, that cause you to become isolated. But the spirit of adoption is one that is a, a, a spirit of intimacy with the Father, with God himself. With that, that, with that, when you become a child of God, you have kingdom rights and kingdom authority. I want you to say that. I have rights and authority. Okay? Now listen to this, though. This isn't talking about democracy, because in, 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 in America we have, I have my right to freedom of speech. I have the right to carry a gun. I have the right to wear deodorant. I have the right to... In the kingdom of God, your rights are actually responsibilities. I have a right. I have, I have a right. In other words, I have access to the things that God has made provision for me, to the king that has made provision for me. And if indeed I am a child of God, when, when you stand in your identity as a child of God, you carry your authority. You walk differently. There's something about the way a child of God, when, when, when someone knows that they are a son or daughter of God, there's something about the way they carry themselves. They carry themselves with confidence. They carry themselves with, 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 with poise. With, 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 you know, they walk around and they're not arrogant. It's not like they're walking around going, don't just touch, come, come at me, devil. Come on, right now, come on, bring it. That's arrogance. But they know that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. They know that, God has, that the plans of God are not only yes and amen, but God has plans for them to prosper, not to, and for God not, not, not to harm them, but to give them a future and a home. They know that, that, that they have rights, they have access to, to the kingdom healing of the kingdom through, through the stripes of Jesus Christ. They know they have access to the financial provision of the kingdom, that God, all you have to do is say, God, sell a couple of your cows uh, somewhere on a thousand hills and, and take care of what I need to get, I need getting taken care of. When you have that kingdom authority and you're a child of God. And God wants us to walk and to live as children of God. But the reason we stop striving, number two, the reason we stop striving for God is because many in the church have an orphan heart. Now what is an orphan heart, pastor? What, is, what does it mean to have an orphan heart? A few years ago. A few years ago, I sat in a counseling session, and my counselor said, you have an orphan heart. I'm like, it's not loco, an orphan heart. 
I don't know Orphan Heart. I, I know where my dad is. Here's what an orphan heart is. The orphan, orphan heart or the orphan spirit is a state of spiritual confusion in which some Christians only know God as father outwardly but experience internal contradiction. They're, in other words, there's a deep struggle within them to, to comprehend God's love for them. Their feelings of abandonment, fear, unworthiness, rejection may, may, may cause them to harbor negative feelings, unhealed hurts, and painful experiences may, uh, may even be to blame. And there's a whole list I could go down of things and, and, and every one of us would be pounding the altar by the end of the message. I didn't want to focus so much on the orphan spirit as much as I do on the fact that God wants you to be a child of God. But if you've ever experienced those things, there are, there, there's, four, here's, there's four key symptoms. There's four key symptoms. And, and again, can I teach you? Is that okay? Hello? Are you, are you here today? Can I teach you? Yes. There are four key symptoms to an orphan heart. Here's the first one. Competing and needing to stand out. In other words, spiritual orphans do not feel accepted and, feel, and they often feel the need to prove their worth. This was me. I had to be the funniest, the loudest. I had to be the wisest. I had to be the one that did all the praying. I had to be the one that did the leading. I had to be the one singing. I had to be the one with an album. I had to be the one with a book. I had to be the one that was different than everybody else. And even though those are things God has put on my heart to do, I was doing them for the wrong reason. And a lot of times spiritual orphans do not feel accepted and they feel the need to prove their worth. And this results in seeking to hide their own limitations, perceiving the strengths of others as competition. So that person can sing, well, then I need to sing better. That person can do this, preach, well, then I need to preach better. And secretly, they take satisfaction in the weakness of others. Oh, that brother fell. I, I knew he was going to fall anyways. You see what I'm saying? A lot, a lot of times, they even do it to seek attention. But watch this. Our Father's invitation is to place unconditional acceptance and rest in our unique God-given authority. We have to accept our unique God-given authority. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body of Christ just as he desired. You were created and put in the body of Christ to serve the body of Christ with your unique gift so that none of us will be, will, would be lost. In other words, if, when you miss, let me put it this way, when you miss church, you rob me of my blessing. Because God has put something in you to serve in the house of God. And when you are not here, you are withholding that. You are sitting on it for whatever reason. Sons and daughters embrace both their strengths and their weaknesses. We know as a son or daughter, we know what we're, we struggle with. But we embrace it and we surrender it to God. The, the second one symptom is isolation or independence. I don't need anybody. I can do it on my own. Just me, myself, and I. The whole unholy trinity. Deep down, the orphan does not feel as though he or she belongs to the family. Often, sometimes they'll suffer a sense of abandonment uh, or the instinct of an orphan uh, is to often go it alone. I'll, I'll do it by myself. I'll just take care of this on my own. I don't, I don't need anybody. There was times in my life, I thought to myself as I was studying this, as a pastor, there were times as I was, stud, as I was studying, the Lord showed me there were times where I would say, hey, we need help at the church. After a while, I stopped asking for help because, and this isn't this, this, this generation of church, okay? In the past, I would deal with that because I'd say, hey, I need help. Nobody would respond. So I said, you know what? I'll just do it by myself. And again, I'm, I'm not coming at you saying, hey, you're, a bad, you're bad church members. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that I would do things on my own. I, I, I didn't feel the need to ask for help. I felt like I could just do it by myself. And sometimes I still struggle with it. Can I be transparent? 
And when that person is, feels a, a sense of, of needing abandonment and going it alone, lots of times what we do is if you, this is you, you withdraw. Whether it's physically or even emotionally. You can be in a family party, but you're not there. Mentally, you're not there. You're just, you'll be on your phone. You'll sit in the car. You'll sit out back where nobody's at. It's using that attitude of, invitation, of independence. And, 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 and here's what God wants you to know is that our Father's invitation is one of welcome and embrace to a place of belonging in the family. He wants you to be a part of it. I grew up in a small family. It was my mom and my dad, my sister and myself. There was four of us. When I married Pastor Rose, I married into a very large family. Nine kids, and that's not including cousins. And every one of the, the cousins, every one of the, the nine kids, some of them had three and four and five and six kids themselves. So family gatherings would fill up this entire sanctuary. Family reunions would fill up at least half of the, sta- half the Cardinal Stadium probably, I don't know. I had to get used to being a part of a large family because I got used to where it was just us four. And so there was times that I would find myself isolated and alone because I I didn't know how to belong to a family. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, he says this, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. In other words, God intended and designed for you to be a part of his family. And he wants you to stop isolating yourself and come and sit at the table and enjoy the goodness of God. Come on. The third symptom is fear and insecurity. In other words, the spiritual orphan is unsure of his or her place in the family. You become, well, I don't even know if I belong. I'm not sure. I'm still trying. I'm, I'm kind of waiting it out at, at Equip to see if that's where God really wants me. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to just grow roots. When's the next membership class? I'm going to get planted. I'm going to get serving. I'm going to get busy. Orphans also feel uncovered and unprotected. Therefore, usually their instinct is to protect themselves and their position. Matter of fact, we've had people in the church that, would, that, that came in with an orphan heart to serve in a ministry. And, and anytime we would bring anybody in to help them, they would push them out because they, I got it, I got it, I can do it. I don't need anybody's help. And we finally say, hey, listen, I want to move you over here to serve in this ministry. Oh, you're taking my ministry? Bro, it's not yours to begin with. This church is not my ministry. I'm just a steward. And if God says, you're done, you need to give it to somebody else now. Then I need to be okay with it. He hasn't told me that. <laughs> Let me put that disclaimer in there. He hasn't told me that. And usually other times, people that, that, I want you to understand that the Father's invitation is to a place of security in his love and care. He wants you to feel like when you come to the house of God or when you're at home and you're praying and you're seeking God, that the presence, you can seek his presence and he's not gonna reject you. He's not gonna abandon you. He's not gonna leave you alone. He's gonna love you. He's gonna embrace you. He's gonna lift you up. He's gonna carry you in those times that you ask for him to carry you. (coughs) Watch what he says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. He says this, are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Good news for you, Pastor Tony. I mean, <laughs> the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not fear. You are, are more valuable than, than many sparrows. In other words, God, if God cares about the sparrows of the field, you are more valuable than they are. He will take care of you. Hello? He loves you so much, he will take care of you that you don't have to feel isolated and alone. You don't have to feel like you have to be out there on <coughs> by yourself. Like you have to do it on your own. You have a family, not only here at Equip Church, but you are a part of the family, general family of God. 
You are a part of the church of God, the family of God, the people of God. You are a son and daughter of God. And you can say, you know what? I'm no longer abandoned. I'm no longer rejected. I'm no longer alone. I belong somewhere. Come on, amen. I said, Lord, is there anything else that you want me to share with your people? And the Lord said, there's one more, performance orientation. And I don't know if this is you. I know this was me. A spiritual orphan feels rejected and therefore believing that he or she must compensate by working hard or performing well in order to be recognized. So because you, don't, you feel rejection, you work, you'll work extra hard at work. Extra hard. Go in early. Work late. Do all you can. You know, and, and on the outside, we tell ourselves, I'm just trying to get the money. I just need to get money, pay for my bills. Well, I'm going to get that extra money or whatever. But in, in essence, you're afraid of being rejected. And there's always a constant drive to perform well. You, you, you feel like, like if I don't perform well, if I mess up, I, you, you begin to condemn yourself. Judge, you, you start, but then you also start judging the weaknesses or performances of other team members or leaders. They're not pulling their weight. Look what, how much I'm working and look at them. They're not pulling their weight. It's not your job to judge them. Your job is to, to do your job and to do it with all your might to honor and glorify God in that and so that when they look at you, they'll glorify God. But your job is not to judge other, other people and their performance. And having feelings, sometimes they have feelings of, of mistrust toward others, feeling that they are, are going to be punished at any time. I'm afraid. What if I get, what if I get rejected? What if I get loaned? What if I get fired? What if I get... You understand that the Father's invitation is, to, is for you to experience the fullness of his undeserved grace and favor. God wants you to be, experience the, the full measure of how much he loves you. He wants you to experience how great, how wide, how high, how deep, how long is his love. And sons and daughters... They generally extend grace to others' failures to measure up to actual or perceived standards. God, we, we, when, when we embrace the, the love of God in our life, he loves us and we, we are welcoming to those that come in. We love them and we love on them. We're not there to judge them. We know that, especially if somebody gets saved, they start coming to church. You ever see the new people that get, the people that get saved for the first time, they're young in the Lord and and and. And all of the old fuddy-duddies, they start looking at them. Look what they're doing. They're wearing torn jeans to church. How unholy is that? You know what? There was a time in your life. <laughs> Don't even make me start pulling out the laundry list. Instead of looking and saying, man, it's so great to see the house full of people that are coming to Jesus. Come on, right? And sons and daughters respond well to, to measurements or, 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 or to reviews whether it's in work or in ministry, and when somebody, hey, they give you a feedback, hey, you did this great, but I need you to improve on this area. Oh, man, thank you for that. Help me. Instead, an orphan heart says, oh, they're judging me. They don't like me. They're probably getting ready to fire me. They're trying to pressure me out. You understand that God wants to give you the spirit of adoption. He doesn't want you to walk around with that orphan spirit, that orphan heart. Walking around with an orphan mentality. You are not an orphan. You think like one. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to. You think like one. You're asking God, why do I, why do I keep messing up? Why do I keep, to quote a phrase, screwing up? Because you haven't given your orphan heart to God. He wants to give you a spirit of adoption. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, he predestined us to adoption as sons. He chose us. He planned it long before. God, God, didn't, God didn't create the world like some of us organize our birthday parties. Hey, oh, we forgot our kid's birthday party. Call everybody and see if they want to come out over today. He 
knew beforehand exactly what he wanted to do. He knew exactly how he wanted to form you in your mother's womb. He knew exactly the, 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 the purpose he would put upon your life and upon your life and upon your life. He knew exactly how he would form you. He knew exactly the character he would give you. He knew exactly the mentality, the behavior, the humor, the talent, the giftings that he would put in your life. He knew it and chose it from the very beginning. And, it, and he, cho- he said, listen, there's going to come a time when, when my, my creation is going to reject me. And when they reject me, I need a, I need a saving plan. So I'm going I'm to have my son, Jesus Christ, come. And he's going to give his life so that those who believe in him will become a part of the family of God. That's what he did. God loved you so much that he chose you to be his child. The devil, here's the devil. The devil's looking. He looks, he comes to God. He says, I own them. You understand? I own them. Look at all the stuff that they've done. Look at the adultery. Look at the fornication. Look at the, look at the pornography. Look at the lust. Look at the lies. Look at the, 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 look at the, the fee- stealing. Look at the, 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 the drinking. Look at the alcohol. Look at the addictions that they have in their life. Look at it. I own them. You own nothing, God. Ha! I own them. And God says, no, here's the blood of my son, Jesus, who paid the price. I bought them back. See, when you were adopted, when you were adopted, listen, what I, one of the things I love as I was doing some research, a lot of parents who adopt kids, especially when they adopt them out of a volatile situation, they know that that child is going to come with trauma in their life. But you know what they do? They give them a new name. You know what the Bible says? He, he gives us a new name. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, he says this. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, to him I, will, I, have, I give some of the hidden manna, he says, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone to which no one knows or has received it yet. And I was reading this and I thought to myself, manna and a white stone? Imagine adopting a kid, go, here's a bowl of manna and a white stone. Welcome to the family, right? Like, oh, here's some Cracker Jacks. Good job. But manna, manna was the, the bread of heaven that God sent to sustain the Israelites' In the wilderness. Not only did it sustain them, it nourished them. When you become adopted into the family of God, he's going to give you the nourishment that you need. But then he goes on to say, he gives them a white stone. And, and, and this, this intrigued me. A white stone was given to overcomers who won that said they could that 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 they could enter into the celebration. So there was there here here's this celebration, uh, the, like this this uh, competition, the, the the Olympics, right? You got these people, these these competitors. They come into the, the Olympics and they they compete. And every person who gets who competes and wins, they would give them a white stone, and on that white stone they would write a name that only they knew. And that person would use that white stone like a ticket to get into the celebration. Listen, there is coming a day when the Bible says that all those who have believed and endured to the end will be invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. We're going to celebrate with Jesus at the marriage feast of the Lamb. But I thought to myself, well, okay, new name, new name, new character. A new name is a new character. A new, a new identity, a new place to belong. He gives you a new character. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any person, in the Amplified it says, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. You're not the same person that you were back in the day. So stop representing Stop throwing up your due signs. Stop dressing like you've been out, out in the world. You are a completely different person. 
The old, he says, the old previous moral spiritual condition. The old previous moral, the old way you thought. Hey, it's okay. It's okay to sleep around. It's okay to do drugs. It's okay, uh, you know, I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll feel better. No, it's not. That's, that, that's the old mentality. You have been given a new, crea- cre- a new mentality. He says the old creation, that, that person's dead and gone. And behold, the fresh and the new. I love that. The fresh and the new. Can you use some fresh and new, right? Don't you just love it when you, when you clean house? And when you clean house, not only just you vacuum and dust everything, but, you know, the ladies like to move the furniture around, resituate everything, and it feels like a whole new house. It brings freshness and newness, right? And the guys are just like, you know, okay, I'm just going to clean that off there and throw a little bit of the trash away, right? God says, I'm going to give you the fresh and the new. I'm going re- to restore, I'm going to restore things that have been lost stolen, broken, and, 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 and have, have been destroyed or what you thought was destroyed in your life. Things that have been on the shelf, God says, I'm going to take them off the shelf. He gives you authority to rule over, over what has had you bound as a child of God. In other words, the things that you used to do in the world, now you have authority over them. They don't have power over you. The drugs, the alcohol, the drinking, whatever it is that used to, used to have you bound, no longer has you bound. The Bible says in Luke 10, 19, that he gives us authority and power to trample on serpents and scorpions and snakes. Listen, when he was saying that, he was not talking about, about uh, actual serpents and scorpions and snakes. He was talking about, he said, I, I, I was talking spiritually. And there are different classifications of demonic presences. And sometimes you, can, you know the difference because of the way that they present themselves. And he has given you authority to trample on them. In other words, to walk on them, to tread on them, to step on them, to put them underneath your feet. And then on top of that, he gives you freedom to serve him. As long as you are bound by the orphan heart, as long as you are bound by your old nature, you will continue to, not, to struggle with serving God. But the moment you give your life to God, the moment that you say, God, I'm done fighting, I give it to you is the moment you experience freedom. It's all for freedom. It is for freedom he set us free. Not the orphan heart. You've been set free from a yoke of slavery. You've been set free, and you can walk in victory. You understand what I'm saying? You can walk in victory. God's desire for us as children of God, is to walk not as orphans, not rejected, not abandoned, not alone. When my mom passed away, my father went back to, he was living in Florida. No, in Ohio at the time, and he went back home and with my mom gone, about this small, the world seemed like a huge place. And even though my father was alive and is alive, <laughs> I felt like an orphan. And if I can, for the sake of being transparent with you, I've struggled with that. Feelings of rejection, abandonment, loneliness. As pastors, ministers, we don't get enough amens. People don't come to the altar. We feel they didn't like me. We feel rejected, abandoned, alone. We feel like I'm all out here by myself. But I've got news for you. You're not alone. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. Not only is 
the family of God here with you, but God is here with you. His family. That's the key word. Family. Somos familia. Something about being in a family, especially a Hispanic family. They don't have to know you. You can be a friend of the family. Come on in, mija. Come on in, mijo. Sit down and eat. eat and, and they'll make you eat until you like your stomach is like big, you know. But they show you love. They embrace you. That's what we want for you. That's what God wants for you. Stop, stop being, stop having that orphan mentality. Say, God, I give that orphan mentality to you. I give that orphan spirit to you. And I take on the identity as a child of God. I'll tell you that you will fulfill your purposes so much different because now you're not trying to earn God's love. You know God loves you. And now you do it because you know you love God. So I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your heads. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. I know traditionally, recently and most, more, more recently, we've been establishing a tradition of having people come and kneel at the altar, but today I want you to stand. If you feel like you have an orphan heart, an orphan spirit, you say, God, this is me. I feel alone, abandoned, rejected. I feel in this world all by myself. And everything pastor's been saying, I've been doing. I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to take on my, I want to embrace my identity as a son and daughter of God. I want freedom. I want to walk in victory. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, each and every single one of you that say, Pastor, I've been, I've been walking as an orphan, living my life as an orphan. I don't want that anymore. I want my freedom. I want freedom in God. I want freedom through Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to stand right where you're at. Hallelujah. Thank you, people are standing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I know there's more. I can sense it. 